over the years, I've become increasingly convinced that there's two kinds of people in the world. There are people who believe birthdays are a really big deal, and then there are those of us who are normal. And uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you like grew up in homes, and birthdays were like the biggest deal ever, right? You know, six months before your birthday, you have it marked on the calendar, and then you get to the week of your birthday, and you're calling all your friends just so they don't forget. You, that's not why you say you're calling, but that's why you're really calling, right? And, and you had the special plate, and you had the special song, and uh, in my wife's family, they have the special candle, and there's all, like all these things, there's these traditions built up around birthdays, and then some of you have uh, this view of birthdays that is very low, don't you? It's like, you might get a card. You know, your dad might call you. You might get to go to Shoney's. And it's like, you know, man, that was a good birthday. So isn't it true that whether you view birthdays highly or you view birthdays very lowly, it's often completely tied to the home you're raised in? And so some of you are raised in houses where, like, birthdays were crazy, and some of you are raised in houses where birthdays were pretty forgettable. Uh, some celebrate them too much. Some celebrate them too little. And... One of the things that I found when I got married is at some point you have to decide what it is that you think about it. You know, so I, I got married to Sydney who took birthdays you know, pretty significantly and I took them a little less significantly and we had to figure out what it looked like in our family. Uh, one of the things that I've seen about, about baptism over the years is no matter your tradition, no matter your story, no matter where you came from, we all kind of have different views. Some of you have a very high view of what baptism is and what baptism means and why you should do it. And some of you have a pretty low view of baptism, what it is, why you mean, you know, what you do with it. And so what I want us to do this morning before we open up the floor is we're just going to open up the scriptures for a few minutes. I want us to get a picture of what Jesus thought of baptism, uh, why he believed it was significant. And then I want us to kind of talk about what that means and who it points to, and then we'll open it up. And so that way we're all kind of on the same page, right? That makes sense. I remember a few years ago, we just started the church. Um, we were maybe five or six months in, and we only had one service. And I met at six o'clock at night. And I remember my friend watching her baptize this guy that she had been discipling. She'd been bringing him to Jesus. And at the time, we didn't even have this nice, shiny horse trough. We had this little black, um, round plastic tub that was only about three and a half feet long. And so we'd have to bend people in half. It literally, as you'd baptize them and try to get their whole body underwater, and it was an act of God just to get them in there. And if you're over six foot tall, you're, you know, no luck. <laughs> you know, can't get baptized here. Remember, we, we we baptized this guy, and just the place erupts. There were like a hundred of us at the time, and everyone's just like, yeah, you know, so excited and cheering. And, and afterwards, we're all kind of on this spiritual high. And remember, we cleaned up the chairs and we loaded all the stuff into the trailer uh, that we used to store all of our stuff in. And one of my friends who was here with me that night, he wasn't a Christian at the time, he was sitting with me, and I noticed he was kind of lingering around the trailer, and I was just ready to get home to see Sydney. So I was like, come on, and everybody leaves, and he says, hey Dave, can we talk about what just happened in there? I said, yeah, yeah, and he said, why in the world would a grown man in his clothes get in a tub of water and come out dripping wet and have some spirit shot into him. And I'm like, spirit shot into him? And I realize he's talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he's like, yeah, you said something about a spirit. You know, he's like, why do you do that? He's like, it's the weirdest thing ever. And I was listening to him and I thought, this is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> have you ever thought that? Have you ever looked at it and gone, man, this is weird. Like, this is crazy. Some of you will go to lunch today and your hair will be wet. And you're going to try to explain it to your neighbors. 
And as you try to explain it, it's not going to make any sense other than you know what the Lord is doing. And so this morning, I kind of want to share with you what I shared with my friend that night as we sat on the porch. If he was chain-smoking Marlboro Reds or probably got cancer just from that one conversation sitting beside him. <laughs> She's asking, why do we do this? What does it mean? Who's it point to? Uh, the answer is really simple. Let's just look at Jesus for a second, okay? Uh, this is why we celebrate baptism here, whether you believe we celebrate it well or celebrate it poorly. This is why we celebrate it. It's because, one, Jesus commands us to. I love Matthew 28. Right after Jesus is risen from the dead, he's getting ready to go back and to see, see his Father in heaven. He's with his buddies. And he gives them these parting words right before he leaves. He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, Jesus says, there's nowhere you're going to go where you're going to find someone who has more power than me. And because I have all authority, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into the nations. I want you to teach people to be my disciples, to be my students. And as they grow to love me, I want you to baptize them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you always, surely to the end of the age. I love that picture. And I go, so why do we celebrate baptism here? Because Jesus is in charge, and Jesus has told us to do it. You know, in my house, uh, with my wife and my kid... Uh, you know, with my kid, I've got the most authority, right? He's 21 months old. And so when I look at Mike and say, hey, dude, will you pick up your toys and put them in your box? I don't want him to look at me and say, well, let me pray about that, Dad. <laughs> hey, would you, would you go to bed at your bedtime? Well, let me get together with a small group of my friends and look at what you mean in the Greek when you really say, go <laughs> to bed right now. <laughs> you know? How crazy would it be if our kids treated us the way that the church treats Jesus? And I go, man, why do we celebrate it? Because he tells us to. And if there's no other reason, like I could stop right here and just go, he's told us, he's in charge, that's why we celebrate it. It's a really big deal, because he says it's a big deal. But I love it, he keeps going. I love the story in Matthew chapter 3, because Jesus doesn't just tell us to be baptized, but Jesus himself gets wet. Jesus gets baptized. He's about 30 years old, and he steps onto the pub public platform for ministry. And everybody's there. Everybody's watching. Everybody sees it. And it says that Jesus goes down, and he gets baptized, and the Holy Spirit descends on him, and the heavens open up, and God says, this is my son, and I love him so much. So this, this one's with me. And I go, man, why do we celebrate baptism here? Not just because Jesus tells us to, but because Jesus himself models it. And I go, because we love Jesus. We want to be just like him. We want to do what he does. We want to speak how he speaks. We want to go where he goes. It's the reason we celebrate when you guys quit your jobs and move to other countries to serve the poor. It's the reason we celebrate when you guys give away your stuff to care for those in need. It's the reason we celebrate when people place their faith in Jesus and are saved by his grace in faith. It's the reason we celebrate. Because Jesus has modeled it. And because we imitate Jesus, the one we love, we want to be just like him. I remember when I was a kid, you know, we all have these dreams of what we're going to be. When I was younger, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And I could have been, I just decided not to be. So, <laughs> right, that's the way it works. That was my dream. I gave up on it. It didn't give up on me. And I remember when I was in second grade, my baseball coach, uh, he made everyone on our team get protective cups. Do you guys know what those are? 
I wish I had a picture of one on the screen, but um, <laughs> he convinced us that we couldn't come to practice until we had a protective cup. And so to really drive his point home, he says, did you know that all the Major League Baseball players wear one every day? And we're like, oh. <laughs> and so I remember my dad taking me to go get mine. And I remember thinking it was so cool, I actually wore it to school one day. <laughs> True story. Or under my clothes. And I remember being on the playground having like my buddies punch me. Give me your best shot. You know? <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts for the record. Isn't it amazing what we do when we want to imitate someone we love and respect? Like, I mean, anything Jesus did, I want to do. Anything Jesus does, I want to do. And I go, man, some of you guys love him so much. And I go, man, it's, it's time you take a step with him. It's time you imitate him the way uh, that you do in so many other areas of your life right now. I go, Jesus commands it. Jesus modeled it. And what I love is as you read through the scriptures, every person who placed their faith in Jesus at some point in the scriptures, other than the thief on the cross, was baptized. So over and over, all throughout the New Testament, I remember the first time I thought about this, I was like, man, it's crazy. Just over and over, people would see Jesus, they'd place their faith in him. Man, he'd save them by his power, and they'd get baptized. And it happened at a variety of points. You know, you had Acts chapter 2, they hear a sermon, thousands of people. You have Acts chapter 8, one guy reads the scriptures. He gets out of his chariot. It'd be like us driving down the interstate today, and it's like, man, Dave was right. You're pulling over and getting baptized in a mud puddle on I-65. That's Acts chapter 8. Or Acts chapter 16, you know, uh, the Philippian jailer. Uh, he's having this moment with God in the middle of the night. And his response, once he places his faith in Jesus, is to go get his whole family. He says, man, we believe in Jesus. Now it's time to follow him into the water. So I go, why do we as ethos celebrate baptism? This is for all of us to know because we're all a part of this family. We celebrate it because Jesus commands it, because Jesus modeled it. And for thousands of years, Christians have been responding in faith to what he spoke and to what he modeled. Does that make sense? You guys with me on that? You don't have to agree with me, but does that make sense? So as we look at Jesus, that's why we celebrate. But this is what I love is because as Jesus does things and commands things, he never does them just to do them. He's always pointing to something bigger, to something more beautiful. And so I want us to take just a few minutes to make sure we understand not only what this like really means, but who it points to. So Romans chapter 6, uh, we're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to read through this kind of fast, but as we read, I want you to notice just all of the images that kind of come to your mind as we read this. Verse 3. It says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of God, I love that, raised through glory, that we may too be raised to have a new life. I just want to pause here for a second. I think this is so cool because sometimes... I don't know what your tra tradition is, but sometimes baptism gets skewed and we start to think that baptism is about what we do. Baptism is not at all about what we do. Baptism is about what God has done, about who God is and how we've responded to him. And I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral, but have you ever noticed that when somebody dies, they're incapable of burying themselves? Or maybe someone has died on the operating table 
they're incapable in their death of reaching over and grabbing those shocker things and like hitting their chest, right? You cannot bury yourself and you cannot resurrect yourself. And I love this right here. He says, what you see taking place in baptism is not about what you've done. It's about who God is and what God has done. It's about God putting to death some things in you. It's about God raising to life some things in you. Everything in here is about the greatness of God and just our response to that. Are you guys with me on that? So this is not a work of man. This is not about earning his love, earning his favor. It's not about earning anything. This is about receiving so fully who he is and what it means. We'll keep going. Verse 5. It says, if we've been united, you can underline that word if you underline in your Bibles. It's a huge word. If we've been united, that's wedding language. If we've been wed, if we've been connected with him like this in death, we will certainly be united with him in resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 11 So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I love this picture. Paul says, you guys know who Jesus is. You know what he's done. You know what he's commanded. You see the way the church has responded. But I want you to understand to what baptism means and to whom it points. He says, baptism is all about the glory and the goodness and the power and the sufficiency and the love and the grace of Jesus. Period. And it's you and I being wed to him, being married to him in that moment. Next Sunday, actually, is my seven-year wedding anniversary with Sydney. Yeah. Man, thanks for three of us, three of you caring about <laughs> Seven years. And you don't have to clap. It's fake now. It's forced. But I remember, <laughs> man, the nine o'clock hates our marriage, apparently. <laughs> I remember seven years ago, though, um, it's, crazy that it was that long ago, standing in this little chapel about three miles from here, Scarab Bennett, this beautiful old stone chapel. It was a Friday night. It was kind of rainy outside, packed with the people that we loved the very most. Just amazing, amazing, amazing moment. I remember standing there in my tux. I was looking fine, looking really good. I remember those doors opening and Sydney walking down the aisle. Just fireworks. At least in my mind, I'm pretty sure they were physically there. Just like, boom, you know, just this this moment. I remember her walking down the aisle, and there's no one else I really cared about, no, nothing else I could really see in the moment. And I remember her getting up there, and we held hands, and the minister said a bunch of stuff. I don't remember any of it. It's kind of like you guys listen to my sermon. You won't remember any of this, you know, just sitting there. I'm just looking at her like, man, she's so great. She's so great. She's so great. And I love this. Paul says, if you want to understand baptism, he says, you have to understand weddings. Verse 5, he says, this is your union. He goes, this is your moment. This is your time where your faith moves from being something that's private and hidden to being something that's bold and declared. This is your moment. Not the first day of your love and not the last day of your love, but it is a moment. You know, I think about Sid, and I didn't fall in love with her on my wedding day. That would have been bad news if that was... I love her today, marry her today. No, but it was a moment in that journey, right? And I love this. He says, if you want to understand the work of Christ and the complexity of baptism, he says, you need to understand weddings. And I love the word that he uses here, union. And I'm just going to dig into it real quickly, and then we're going to open it up uh, for anybody that wants to respond. 
But union throughout the New Testament kind of makes three like big, like bold kind of theological claims. And this is what baptism points to. Uh, union all throughout the New Testament points to participation, identification, and declaration. And they all ended with I-O-N. I didn't do that on purpose, but it was good. <laughs> Participa- participation, identification, and declaration. Uh, I love sitting down with a couple right before they're getting ready to be married, and I say, hey, what are you most excited about getting married? And the guy always says sex, you know, but <laughs> what are you really most excited about? And they'll always say kind of what you expect them to say. Man, I can't wait to go on vacation. And I can't wait to come home from work and to eat meals with her. And I can't wait to sit on the couch and watch TV. And I can't wait to go through good times and bad times and hard times and wonderful times. What they're saying is, I cannot wait to fully participate in life with her or with him. I don't know if you notice this over and over and over throughout this text. Paul's saying, what is baptism? Baptism is our participation in the fullness of who Christ is. We participate in his burial. We participate in his resurrection. We participate in death. We participate in life. He says baptism is not this moment where you walk up to the altar and you give your heart to Jesus and then walk away hands free. He says no, baptism is this moment where you cling to Christ. And it's this moment in the journey where things are turned up a notch in, in regards to your participation. Can you imagine how crazy it would be if at a wedding... Right after the vows, right after you become married, you kiss the bride and then it's like, all right, I'll never see you again. (laughs) Now you get married because you want what? To participate together. And I love this. He says this is the picture of union. It's of participation. It's not just about participation. It's about identification. Before we got married, Sydney's last name was Zavishlock. You can laugh. It was a bad name. And uh, just kidding. Um, hard name to say. In fact, we dated for four months before I knew how to say it. That was a whole other story. Um, <laughs> it was not seven months. <laughs> I'm so glad you only come to one service. It just became one month at the rest of the services. Man, I'm sorry you guys have to see the disrespect in our marriage. You know? <laughs> yeah, we need prayers to make it the next week. <laughs> Here's what I love. It's about identification. Right? And so I remember two weeks before we got married, we went down to get the wedding, the marriage license, and they were like, hey, do you want to keep your name? Do you want his name? She's like, I'm done with that name. She's like, I'm tired of telling people how to spell it, how to say it. I'm I'm getting a new name. And I love this because all throughout this, it's this picture over and over and over and over of a new what? Identity. It says, you are dead, you're alive. You've been buried, you've been risen. You're sinful, but you're not because of Christ. And it's not about who you are, it's about who Christ is. It's not about your strength and your work, it's about his strength and his work. He goes, and what comes out of this is not that you just get to participate with Jesus, but it's now that you're identified fully in Jesus. So you're no longer that porn addict. You're no longer uh, that person who is struggling with pride. You're no longer that religious Pharisee. No, you're just a son or daughter of the king covered in Jesus. New identity. 
This union points to participation, to identification, and declaration. Proclamation. I'm out of words that rhyme. Just like powerful moments, you know? That's what it points to. I remember I had a friend in high school. I won't say his name because he listens to the podcast from time to time. But you'll know who I'm talking about. He uh, had a friend in high school who had a girlfriend who would not let, who would not let him talk to her at school. And uh, she wouldn't let him hold her hand in public. And when they go to the movie, they drive over to Mount Pleasant, which was 45 minutes from where we lived, to go to the movie so they wouldn't see her friends. And we used to tell him, like, dude, not trying to bust your bubble, but she doesn't like you. She does not like you, man. She can't even be seen with you in public. How does she like you? And then, oh, she likes it. No, no, she doesn't. And I struggle sometimes uh, with this notion because our culture has really begun to teach us that our faith is something that is personal and private. The problem is the scriptures teach that our faith is bold and public. And that the two things are very different. And so somehow in our culture, faith has been confused with politics. And it's the thing that you don't talk about. It's the thing you don't share because it's offensive. It's the thing that you keep to yourself. And how you feel is how you feel. And Jesus just has a problem with that. Jesus in Matthew 10 says, man, those of you that love me and confess me in front of people, I will love and confess in front of my Father in heaven. And those of you who deny me in front of people, he says, I'll deny in front of my Father. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, I didn't write the mail, I just deliver it. And Jesus says that, and I go, man, that's a, that's a pretty big deal, right? And so I sometimes struggle because we live in a culture where we said, man, we can follow Jesus, and we can love Jesus, and we can be saved by Jesus, but we don't have to let anybody know it. We don't have to let anybody know what we've done. We don't have to declare it publicly ever. And I love it because this union with Christ in baptism is this bold proclamation, not about who you are, but who Christ is and what Christ has done. You know, just so we all know, like you understand the water is not magical, right? It's just water. You know, it's like my wedding ring. You know, this ring isn't magical. If I took it off my finger, I can't because my knuckle's swollen. But, you know, let's pretend I could take this ring off and put it on your finger. It wouldn't make you married to my wife, would it? I hope not. That'd be weird, you know. It's like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. If I lose this sucker, we're in trouble. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Lord of the Rings joke just for you. you know. Now, now what, what, is, what does this signify? It signifies that I'm taken, right? Sorry, ladies. You know. <laughs> it points beyond itself, doesn't it? It points to whom I love. And it's Sydney. 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 That's what I love about baptism. It's this moment where you come up out of the water. It's like, I love Christ. I love Christ. The cross was this beautiful picture of God publicly demonstrating his love for you. Baptism is our picture of us publicly demonstrating it back. It's a celebration. And I go, that's why we do it. Because Jesus commands it. Because Jesus models it. Because the church has responded. 
so that we can be united with Jesus to participate in life, to be identified in his death and in his resurrection, and then to boldly and publicly declare that we love him. Oh man, that's good news. That's good news. So now it's your turn. This is what I love. You know, my job is just to set the table. And if you're hungry, it's your job to eat. And like I told you, we worship Jesus, not your response. But I go, man, some of you know, some of you know that Jesus has saved you. You know that you love him. Man, and it is time. It is time for you to be baptized. And so here's what I'm going to invite every one of us. There's three ways I'm going to invite every one of us to participate. Uh, But I want you to choose one, okay? I'm going to speak to those of you that love Jesus right now and have already been baptized. There are two ways that I want you to participate today. In just a second, the band's going to come up. We're going to take communion. And as you go to take communion... I want you to look at the person who you're taking communion with. And I don't want you to talk about your work week. I don't, want you, I don't want you to talk about what's going wrong. I want you to look them in the eyes. And I want you to boldly declare why you love Jesus. Make sense? Some of you are going to realize in that moment that you don't love them like you used to. And I'm going to encourage you like Jesus encouraged Peter. After Peter had really gone off the deep end. Jesus is sitting on the beach with seven of his friends. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I love it in that moment, Jesus has Peter not confess his sin, but reconfess his what? His love. His love. And so for those of you that have been baptized into Jesus, I'm going to invite you to share, to share your love for Christ boldly. And to have fun doing that. On these boards You see these white boards up here on the walls? As you're taking communion and during our time of worship, we have markers. I'm going to invite you, those of you that love Jesus, to come up and write what it is you love about Christ on these boards. And I was thinking about at our wedding, we had this big framed picture with this white mat around it. And all of our friends came up and they wrote down what they loved about us. And it was so significant, not only for us, but it was significant for our community of people that were there to celebrate, to see one person after another walking up to the board to write it down. And so I'm just going to challenge you, as you're taking communion, as you worship, don't sit in your seats. Come up, write on the boards, pray with each other, like declare over one another the love of Jesus. So that's the first response. The second response is for those of you in this room that don't love Jesus, You didn't love them when you came in, and you know you don't love them right now. And I want you to hear me on this. That's okay. Sometimes that takes time. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, if you don't love Jesus, I'm going to invite you to just sit in this place and to just listen and to ask questions and to challenge things that don't make sense to you. Uh, Do what my friend did a few years ago as we sat on the steps. So as you see somebody come up and write something on the board, and you're like, I know that guy. I'm going to go ask him, did you really mean that? Why would you write that? How do you know that? And don't be a tool about it, but, you know, like, ask them. Because if they love Christ, they'll be, they'll be more than glad to share that with you. And so if you don't love Christ, I just invite you to just listen, to watch, to look, to ask, to challenge, and to be open to what it is that God might try to do. And this is the third response. 
Some of you know you love Jesus. You know his saving power and what he's done. And you know it's time for you to declare it publicly in baptism. So I'm just going to invite you to do it. There's no big finale, no cool music, no emotional moment. I'm going to pray for us in a second. I'm going to invite everybody to stand up, take communion right on boards. And if you want to be baptized, I invite you to be baptized right now. No excuses. We have every size of clothes and towels imaginable. We have dressing rooms for men and women. Some some of you before have come down and you've gotten baptized in your clothes. It's like it doesn't matter. I'm just going to invite you to declare publicly for Jesus what he's so publicly declared for you. And, uh, and we're going to celebrate with you as you do that. So I invite you to stand. I want to pray for us. And then we're just going to spend some time responding.